Press. Uh oh. Yeah. We just had, yeah, yeah they just heard us. Just once you, you started. You guys recording. can't hear us. I can hear. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. yes, we can hear you. Victoria, can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, oh perfect. Oh, okay. okay, that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're good, it's now six o'clock, so I'll get us started. All right. I'd like to call the Wednesday, January 24th meeting of the Transportation Commission to order. Tonight's meeting is a hybrid meeting. Members of the community are welcome to join the meeting in person or remotely through Zoom or by telephone. Since this is a hybrid meeting format, I will be calling roll for members of the commission. Please answer in the affirmative when your name is called. AJ Antrim. Shree Balmarugan. Faith DeBolt. Present. Caitlin Goodman. Ryan Miller. Present. Present. Tracy Trexel. Present. And Chair Brian McGee, present. All right, um, next up on the agenda is review and approval of the meeting minutes. Are there any comments or corrections of the meeting minutes from the December 13th, 2023 meeting? All right, hearing no comments, do we have a motion for approval? I'll make a motion to approve. Patrick. We have a second. A second, it's faith. All right, all in favor say aye. 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 All right, any opposed? Okay, minutes have been approved. Okay, this is now the opportunity for members of the community to provide public comment. Please limit all public comments to three minutes and we ask that you treat everyone with kindness and respect. We want everyone in Kirkland to feel welcome to express their viewpoints. If you are attending the meeting in person, please fill out the sign-in sheet here in the room. And for those online attending remotely, please provide your name and address. Remote attendees who would like to comment, please raise your hand in Zoom or press star nine if you're calling in on the phone. Do we have anyone that would like to address the commission online? moment to get one of the commissioners promoted up to panelist level on the Zoom. And not seeing anyone um, stepping up for input, we'll move on to our next agenda item. We have or, a member of the Okay. Oh, but no one's raising hand. Thank 
It looks like we have a member of the public and the attendees, uh, Mitchell Smith. If you would like to make public comment, can you please raise your hand? And raise will assume that um, just viewing. Thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. Our next agenda item is the final draft of the 2024-2025 work plan. And I'll turn it over to Doug McIntyre, Transportation Manager. Thank you, Chair McGee. Um, as Chair mentioned, uh, tonight is uh, one of the items is to discuss uh, the final draft of our 2024-2025 work plan. Um, a couple comments before we open it up for a question. Um, one is that uh, we've incorporated as much as we can uh, in terms of the feedback from the from the commission in the last two meetings. Uh, we think it's in a really good spot now, and um, it reflects uh, our best guess at what we're planning to do in the next two years. Of course, it might change, and we'll make sure to communicate that with the commission. Um, but importantly, we have uh, scheduled the joint meeting that is necessary for us to adopt this with the city council. So that has been put onto the March 19th study session. Um, it, study sessions are held uh, beginning at 5.30. So um, it's at the very beginning of the meeting. Um, the, this, the city does require the chair and the vice chair to be present and welcomes and encourages other members of the commission to be present, to participate in the discussion. Um, however, it's not um, required for other members of the commission. Uh, with that being said, I do think it'd be really great to have good presence at the meeting and, and um, kind of show a united front on the work plan. Um, the council will have discussion with the commission and with staff about the work plan, and then we'll put it on the consent agenda for the following meeting, which is April 2nd, and then council will take action on the work plan on April 2nd. So um, as that gets closer, we'll provide uh, more detail and uh, obviously a memo and, and agenda package so uh, that everybody can be on the same page about what we're proposing. Um, so with that being said, we do uh, want to adopt this, or sorry, um, have the commission recommend approval uh, by the council of this work plan. Um, again, I think we've captured as much as we can in terms of input. The big changes, as you'll notice in the uh, agenda memo tonight, are that we added uh, the more definition around the commission roles. We've changed it up a little bit and I think gotten more specific and a little bit closer to the mark uh, from what we were hearing from commission. We actually borrowed this from King County. Um, so uh, I think there's some precedence there. It works well for the county, county commissions. Um, and so essentially we broke it into three main um, roles with kind of a fourth administrative type of role. So the first role would be something that is an action item where the commission um, does take uh, make a recommendation to the council. Uh, other, uh, this kind of second level down would be monitoring, which are items that uh, are briefing so that the commissioners can share feedback with, with staff as work is under development. Um, and then context, and that's items that are really uh, for insight and um, uh, kind of informational purposes. Uh, we had a fourth item for administrative, which are things like developing the work plan and um, just kind of normal business and operations. So. Um, uh, again, I think we, we've gotten closer. We, there was some conversation last time about what the roles meant. And I think we really stepped back, kind of reevaluated where we were at. And hopefully this is, um, again, closer to the mark. So that was the big change. Um, otherwise, uh, the work plan is essentially the same in terms of the content. Uh, there was a good question. Uh, we checked in with our chair and vice chair prior to the meeting in terms of it, uh, just uh, the agenda um, yesterday. And one of the questions was about uh, in the first quarter, if we are going to be 
um, bringing these items that are shown here. And the intent is yes. Um, we might have to, uh, depending on how things go, we're still in January, but depending on how things go, we might have to move one of the items and that is the uh, the Greenways um, item. So um, just heads up on that, that we're, we are tr trying to adhere to this as best as we can. And there might be a little bit of flex there. So uh, just wanted to mention that right out the gate. Um, but we are, uh, the speed limit policy, that is something that we do want to have um, on the March meeting. So just kind of a heads up there. Uh, of course, as we've talked in the past, a uh, gigantic part of this effort for this year is the transportation strategic plan. Um, so I'll stop talking uh, and open it up if there's any questions. I'll just kind of put in a quick note that the, the format and everything has really improved since we first started. So I, I think that this is coming together really nicely. Um, are there any other comments from the rest of the commission before we make a motion? Okay, hearing no comments, does anyone wanna make a motion to um, effectively do we approve this? Do we recommend it to council? What would you, is there a term? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, I, sh I probably should have written that uh, out for you. The motion would be uh, for a recommendation of the commission for the council to adopt the work plan. I'll make a motion to approve for the council to adopt the work plan. I second that. All, right, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Thank you very much. I'm really excited for the next two years. Okay, our next item up on the agenda is the transportation strategic plan. And for that, I'll turn it over to Kim, transportation planner. Thank you. We'll grab that mouse. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, Um, while Franz is pulling up my slides, I'll just give a little bit of an introduction about um, what we're talking about today. So um, first, um, you'll um, notice that we are starting to use a new acronym, um, TSP, the Transportation Strategic Plan. Um, this is um, because um, we've, we've talked about this with the Transportation Commission once before, um, and I think we, we kind of went around and decided it wasn't something we wanted to split hairs over in terms of changing the name. But since then, um, due to our uh, DEIB initiative, um, it's, it's been a kind of a citywide decision to um, uh, remove the term master from, the, from our plans. And city council has adopted a, of a hierarchy and structure of, of, of naming conventions for our plans. Um, and so um, we will now have what is called a transportation strategic plan. Um, that is kind of one level underneath the comprehensive plan. Thank you, friends. Um, and so TSP. Um, um, today, what we want to talk about, um, we've been doing a lot of work so far um, with our kind of overall progress of the transportation strategic plan. And we've gone through our, our kind of initial public engagement. We went through um, talking about our um, guiding principles that led into the goals and policies and actions update. Um, today, what I want to talk with you about are, is our project list, um, which is a very big, um, large part of this, this plan document. Um, 
And so I'm going to talk a little bit about how those projects were identified, the difference between projects and programs, um, how we plan to prioritize them, and some next steps. So um, uh, just a bit of a reminder, you may have seen this graphic before, um, but essentially what we're doing is we, um, for this our um, transportation strategic plan, we are at the top of this triangle. We're putting together the 20-year um, capital facilities plan, specifically the transportation element of that, um, that goes into our comprehensive plan. Um, that is something that we need to, um, that does need to be fiscally constrained. And, and what that means is that we are going to be looking at um, our projected revenue over the next 20 years. Um, I will note that that projected revenue does not include grants, um, and so it's really just kind of known revenue. And so things that go into this um, kind of 20-year project list um, are things are, um, are funding re revenues that we can um, readily predict. Um, uh, that does, but there are other opportunities as time moves on over the next 20 years. So if something isn't funded, um, there could be other opportunities. Um, that does help us to identify what then goes into our six-year transportation improvement plan, which then leads into our two-year budget, um, uh, which is often where we refer to kind of as our, our capital improvement program. Um, so um, projects that are um, that are identified through this process, um, we are very fortunate um, this cycle um, to not have to start from scratch to identify projects. Um, we have done a ton of work looking at the entire city um, and really based on um, planning work that's happened um, since the last time the plan was adopted. That includes our active transportation plan, the Safe Routes to School plan, transit implementation, our ITS, which is Intelligent Transportation Systems plan. We've done studies um, of various corridors. Um, we do um, roadway safety analysis every two years based on um, uh, updated crash data. Um, we also have our engineering staff looking at um, projects, um, and um, we've also looked at um, projects that we've heard from the community through our suggested project program um, that have then gone through an engineering review. Um, so uh, there are a lot of projects on this list. It took quite a while for us to put them all together. Um, I should have kind of forwarded this slide. Um, um, you know, we're also considering um, some of our external plans that impact the city of Kirkland, such as the, our transit plans. Um, and yeah, the other one um, that's not on this list is the, um, the citywide transportation connections. Um, those are new connections of, of um, uh, either roadways or pathways that currently do not exist um, that would either need additional right-of-way or they would need development to occur. We put all of them in our list, um, the ones that would require development, and we're not going to really show to the public um, out for this plan or prioritize them, but we did do kind of in include them in our kind of overall database so that we can begin to track and see how those things um, play out over time. Um, I will would like to mention that we have um, these um, um, project groupings. So um, there are groups of projects that fall more into programs than they do as an identified project. So 
a project in a list is going to have a title. It has a, you know, it's on a street. It's from one place, you know, one street to another street. Um, it'll have a description. Um, uh, we've identified them by type. Uh, but we also have a lot of various programs, and I'll talk about those in a minute. Um, but um, and so not every every project is going to be identified in the list. Um, but in terms of our project list, we do have over 450 projects that are currently identified. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of projects. We've essentially looked at our entire city, um, but we are still looking. Um, so before I get into the project list, I do want to talk a little bit about, spend a little bit of time talking about programs. So um, in terms of the existing programs that have been identified, some of these are funded, some of these are not, um, that are, but are still identified in our capital improvement program, um, that it, those include preservation, maintenance, um, we have our annual paving and striping programs, we have our neighborhood traffic control program, um, our neighborhood safety programs, and so a lot of these kind of speed, um, we're, you know, we look at speed on particular roadways when we get um, requests from the public to, you know, say, hey, people are speeding on my street. Can you take a look at that? Um, those projects are not um, in uh, identified in the specific list. Those would fall under programs. Um, another, um, some new programs that we would like to I um, propose are as a dedicated sidewalk completion program. Um, we do have a program um, already identified for our intelligent transportation systems, but there are um, a couple components in our ITS plan um, that are not currently part of our program, such as our performance measures. Um, and that's really kind of um, looking at how our system is performing um, using our um, signals and cameras. Um, and then looking at um, how our greenways are performing, for instance, bicycle parking. So there are a number of programs, the other one, um, our transportation demand management program. Um, this is uh, um, um, our program where we incur it. This is more um, working with employers that are required to do transportation management plans, or what we call commute trip reduction um, employers, or do or where we do encouragement programs. So that is not capital. Um, that is an example of a program that is um, won't be subject to kind of our fiscally constrained list, um, but just kind of wanted to give you all a sense of what the, you know, um, what our programs are. Um, and then we get into, um, so any questions on programs before I move on? Um, in addition to programs, um, uh, there are a couple places where we, we really wanna look, we wanna take a little bit of a deeper dive before identifying a specific project. So it's a little bit of a different, different than programs um, where we're going to um, um, you know, study more, um, do a little bit more engagement. So one of them is, our, is the Cross Kirkland Corridor Action Plan. Um, that's really um, meant to identify what is, what is, what's next for our priorities. Um, we have completed the Totem Lake Connector Bridge. Um, we have completed the study for the crossing at 132nd Avenue and Slater um, that connects from the CKC to the East Trail. I'm looking for funding for that. And so, um, you know, really what's next? Do we, um, how do we think about 
um, you know, future transit um, that's identified in the master plan. Right now it's light rail, um, but maybe it's not light rail, maybe it's micromobility or um, we pave, or maybe we do a separated paved. So we don't really know. Um, and so the idea is to take a look at um, what's next for the Cross Kirkland Corridor. Another one, as we've heard a lot from council, is looking at our future transit needs. Um, and this is not only um, looking at how we advocate for transit um, through the, our current transit agencies, um, which will be part of that. Um, but what are some other opportunities um, that the city might have in terms of um, other options um, to increase transit um, or even micro transit within the city? Um, another one, um, ADA, American Disabilities Act, um, ADA transition plan. Um, we, um, the city does have an ADA transition plan. It's been a number of years since it's been updated. Um, had kind of a light touch on um, transportation. We've looked at our ADA ramps. Um, we've looked at ADA parking. We have made improvements and incremental improvements over the years to add ADA parking, particularly downtown. Um, but it's worth an update. Um, at this point, it's time for that. I'm um, looking at our curb management. So that's that's parking, but it's also all things related to the curbs, how we're using our loading zones. There, there's a lot that goes into um, what the the use of the curb. Um, and then a couple other um, areas I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, there are a number of corridors um, that uh, we're recommending that we do a little bit of a deeper dive. Um, 7th Street and Market both um, are examples where um, we've heard a lot from the community, particularly the bicycling community, for the need for, for instance, protected bike lanes. But in those corridors, they're also high functioning corridors for other uses, transit, freight, parking. Um, they also require, so that would include parking analysis, uh, high level of public engagement. So before making a, um, a recommendation for a particular project, um, we felt it was worthwhile to really take a look at these corridors. 132nd Avenue is another one that has a lot of needs. Um, and then bicycle wayfinding. So these are some of the studies that are recommended um, as future projects, essentially. Um, Can quick, we yeah, yeah, quick question on kind of the studies by nature set us up to kind of maybe explore further. And there may be other studies in the 20 year plan that happen to come up depending on what happens. Is there kind of a time range for this set that you're using as examples that these would be completed? We don't have timeframes at this point. Um, once we get through um, our prioritization process and have a conversation with council about um, their priorities um, and what we can feasibly fund over the next 20 years, um, then we'll start to talk about which projects get into that 20 year list, which projects get into that six year list. And that's really where that, um, that kind of timing starts to work out, work itself out. That'll come a little bit later. Dick, did you wanna? Yeah, thanks. Sorry to um, interrupt there, but I, I will say I'll add on to that, that the transit needs study is definitely a near-term item. Um, we have heard that there's a lot of interest in that from the community, but also on the council, that this this would be something that would be sort of a immediate action item coming out of the the plan. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just helpful to have a, a sense of maybe some of these studies could be over a decade out, and then it's identifying a project that might not be funded for quite a ways further. Um, so just kind of for understanding. Uh, Caitlin. Thanks, Brian. Um, I was curious, 
uh, if you could share a little bit more, I just, I'm, I'm wondering about the phrasing for like the CKC action plan, as opposed to a study, as opposed to a plan update and what those, how, how those are different um, in, in terms of the overall plan. Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, and, um, and your question does actually kind of um, uh, get into, you know, some of these will probably will be maybe listed in our project list, like the 7th Street, Market Street, the 132nd Avenue Corridor study will probably be a project. We're going to look on this road from here to there. Um, the transit needs study and the CKC action plan will live in the goals, policies, and actions as an action item. Um, and so we will... Um, so the nature of corridor studies on, on a particular roadway, um, you know, as I mentioned, some examples, we can do parking utilization. Um, all of these will require a level of public engagement. Um, the, the CKC action plan, for instance, would be a little bit broader. Um, looking at the entire corridor um, would um, probably look at, you know, what's the, what's the future of the um, uh, integration with a full East Trail with a connect, construct, and complete vision of the entire East Trail. Um, how do we think about um, future transit, you know, the multi-use nature of the corridor? So it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit different. You know, 7th Market, 132nd Avenue might look at parking. It might look at specific intersections, um, whereas the CKC Action Plan will probably look a little bit broader at a higher level, um, if that helps. <laughs> the transit needs study is going to also going to be one of those that's going to be kind of broader, more on a kind of topic. What are what's our what are our future growth patterns? Um, where are we, um, you know, where where do we see future growth, and how do we meet that growth with transit service? So it's all they're all going to have a little bit of a different, but it's a you know um, different scope. But it's a it's a great question because. They, each of these will live in a little bit different places in the plan. That's really helpful. Thank you. And I appreciate that there will be, it sounds like community engagement as a big component of many, if not all of these. So appreciate that. Thank you. Kim, uh, I was going to chime in in the hierarchy conversation you brought up. There's the comprehensive plan, our strategic plans, and then kind of other plans. And then almost studies and policies are below that or their own separate thing beneath the comprehensive plan, if that helps frame this, this hierarchy. So like the CKC action plan, ADA transition plan, bicycle wayfinding plan, should say, would be the high level. Then transit needs, curb management are likely policies, and then the corridor studies as Kim outlined. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, that's a great clarification, Victoria. Thank you. Um, Okay, moving on to our capital project list. Um, I We are days away from having our um, public facing map that will look um, somewhat similar to this. I, um, I This is a map that we've been looking at internally and I, it's on a SharePoint through our, through our consultant team. So I know I wouldn't have been able to pull it up on this computer. So I just took a screenshot of it, but it does give you a sense of what we've been looking at over the last couple months. Um, 
there one of things one of the things that we've been working on is kind of um, reconciling um, where we have overlaps. Um, so, for instance, there are duplications between the safe routes to school and the active transportation plans. We wanted to make sure we weren't adding duplicate projects. We have one project, and then we make sure we tag both kind of project IDs from those plans so that we're able to kind of track those. Um, a couple other things that we've done is um, just um, just made sure that we're still um, that we still agree with some of those original recommendations. Um, one example is on um, the Market Street. Our transit improvement plan included. Well, I'll talk about this in a minute. Move on. Um, so our um, um, so as I mentioned before, we have about 450 um, identified projects in addition to the over 1,600 sidewalk gaps. Um, we do not plan to prioritize all of the 1,600 sidewalk gaps because those were already prioritized through the active transportation plan and the safer routes to school plans. Um, those plans looked at specific um, um, elements that are specific to pedestrians, such as um, level of stress and um, uh, uh, free and reduced lunches for schools. Um, and so we felt that, and those plans were adopted not very long ago. And so within, the, within that program, um, we would use those same prior, that same prioritization structure. And if there's any conflict between, let's say a project got high in the safer routes to school and a medium and active transportation plan, that project would get the high because it scored high in one of those two prioritization processes. Um, the, we have about um, 10 specific um, transit access and uh, speed and reliability projects. Um, one of the ones that I mentioned, um, this is one of those projects where we did some reconciliation. So our active transportation um, identifies um, improvements to the bike lane on Market Street um, in and around the vicinity of uh, Forbes Creek Drive. We've had some uh, um, collisions there too. And um, in our transit implementation plan recommended um, a full um, transit lane. And um, we felt that at this stage, and given the crash history, that, that um, a full transit lane there is not necessarily needed. And so we changed that recommendation to a Q-jump. Uh, a little bit more appropriate, and we've seen um, the benefit of the Q-jump going in the other direction at that same intersection. And so that's one example of how we've looked at the projects and um, really uh, made sure that we're reconciling between various plans and uh, making a, um, uh, our um, recommended um, proposal for any changes. Um, so a couple Q jumps, so the one on 108th is partially funded. Um, we have some um, in the Totem Lake Village, we're working a partnership with Metro on um, bringing transit service back to 120th Avenue in um, the village. Um, there's been um, transit capacity issues there to um, uh, Metro remove transit service because it's just too tight um, with the way that people are parking. So we're looking at curb provisions to bring transit back. Um, uh, downtown um, transit center operations will likely um, um, we'll look at that when um, the K-Line comes to town. Um, but in the meantime, um, we've separated out um, a raised crosswalk at the transit center. Currently, we're having people take a, um, 
a northbound left turn onto you know, headed towards Park Lane while, where they're driving across the crosswalk to take that left turn. So preventing cars from doing that, making it a little safer. Um, it's one of our last few in-pavement flashers too that we've been um, working to replace. Um, and so, um, so I won't get it, I won't to speak to all of these, but um, we will have more of our bicycle and pedestrian um, projects be identified as transit supportive when we work through our prioritization process. These ones are specifically identified um, through the transit implementation plans that are kind of called out right now. But then, like I said, as we prioritize for the transit score, we'll, we'll pull out more. Um, we have a number of roadway vehicle projects um, that are you know, multimodal corridor projects. A couple ones to know, um, such as the uh, Kirkland Way. So, um, um, this would this is a one of the projects that supports the um, 85th station area um, access to the access to the station. It would require widening. Would include right of way and replacing the our famous truck eating bridge to a higher and wider bridge so that we can um, fit bike lanes and sidewalks underneath that. And um, once and for all. <laughs> um, kind of allow freight movement under there without being eaten by the bridge. Um, uh, 124th Avenue widening, another um, station area, 85th station area project. We've heard a lot um, of uh, projects on Northeast 132nd. Um, there is particularly in and around um, the access to Winita High School. Um, we have, this is another example where the study, we do have a, a study, um, Northeast 132nd Street um, corridor study, but that was done in 2008. Um, so we made a, a little a couple updates um, to those recommendations based on what we've heard over the last couple of years. Um, again, I'm not going to read all of these to you, but just kind of give you a sample of what we're looking at. Um, we have a number of emergency related projects um, in terms of looking at um, emergency vehicle access. Um, this last one is uh, um, this is. Um, more of our um, ITS related, um, you know, using uh, GPS to um, preempt for emergency vehicles. It's a little, it's kind of similar to transit signal priority, but for emergency vehicles, there are a number of um, bridge, either new bridges or improvements to exist, existing pedestrian bridges over I-405. Um, a number of these are identified through our citywide transportation connections. Um, um, others through the station area plan or both. Um, the, um, and then as I mentioned, um, the citywide transportation connections, um, uh, a lot of the, the new roadway connections are um, development driven. Um, there are a couple that um, is stated in the, the transportation connections map that do mention that they could become um, a city project. And so these would be subject to prioritization so that we can see how well they score. Um, and this will really be, this is a really good example of where, um, you know, we can look and see if um, how project, if, if a really high scoring project, um, or if a, if a project, if a new connection score is really high, then maybe that's something for council to consider spending the money to purchase that right of way and build those connections. Um, there are a lot more of the more of a smaller bicycle and pedestrian little trail connections too. Um, 
active transportation. I've um, kind of alluded to this. Um, there are, um, we have, we looked at, um, when we adopted our active transportation plan, we looked at our entire um, bike network, not just new bike lanes, for instance, but we looked at our existing bike network for improvements, um, places where we might, we would recommend perhaps um, protected bike lanes. We hear that a lot from our community. Um, we also want to make it real, though, that um, in order to protect a lot of the bike lanes, there we're going to need right-of-way. Um, the 62 to 78, the 62 are, are projects that definitely will need right-of-way. That 78, as kind of we put down, you know, it's kind of to be determined depending on maybe there's a couple segments or maybe some pieces of right-of-way here and there, or we... Um, um, maybe there's some kind of way that we can figure out a design to do it, but um, it but it does kind of really um, communicate that um, in order for the city to um, to kind of get that dream of protected bike lanes and more places, a lot of them are kind of right of way. We need that additional right of way. Um, um, quick, sorry, end up. Is that for me? Sorry, um, uh, I'm just. Curious on that consideration, is that assuming that there is no road diet, uh, that there would be no reduction in car lane for baking um, bicycle right-of-way? The, um, we, the, um, the, the, those that are kind of in that 62 category um, would essentially um, require right-of-way um, without having to deal with removing parking. I think um, a really good example of that is on um, kind of 98th Avenue as you come up um, from Market Street into Juanita. Um, the, I, I think it would be um, you know, maybe there's pol political will to remove um, a number of lanes there. There are certain arterials where it would might be pretty difficult to remove lanes. Um, another one is on um, uh, Northeast 85th Street, um, in the identified in the station area plan um, that would re re require right of way, another corridor where. Um, um, there are other needs for that roadway to function. Um, and when we get into that kind of that 78 range, um, you know, that's where there are likely projects that um, maybe, we, maybe we remove parking, maybe we don't. Maybe we, there could be some, um, you know, adjustment. Um, and all of these are conversations. Um, what will what'll happen is that we'll be prioritizing all of these and we'll take a look at the, the high scoring ones and and see where they land and um, what council would like to um, to look at. But it is a range. Um, there are other corridors where we simply have two lanes. And, um, you know, another example is on um, Lakeview Drive, where um, um, in order to if we were to remove parking, we would also have to remove the trees and the bulb outs. Um, and, and otherwise there's just simply two lanes and we can't narrow lanes any further. So it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. But um, I think Faith, you have a good point that, um, you know, this is part of the reason why we're going out for public engagement. And as you look at projects, 
And, you know, this is the opportunity for the public to be able to say, hey, you know, maybe you, maybe we remove parking here or um, why are you proposing a protected bike lane here? We need freight to go through. You know, these are all kinds of the, what we would like to hear from the community. Can I add, um, you know, I think the buffered bike lanes are an untapped resource as well. You know, I've, I've been following those um, Toronto style barriers that city of Seattle has been using. And I personally have found those to um, really provide a, an amount of separation and protection for existing buffered bike lanes that don't require additional right of way. Um, they, they also seem like they're a very fast application our installation. So, um, I think, I think everything you've said sounds good, but I would also look at, um, what other cities are doing. I think those, um, I don't know if you're aware, but those Toronto style barriers, I mean, they're, they're bigger than a normal curb. And so you feel a lot, um, that mm. level of traffic stress or you could say, so great. Uh, anyways, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, Caitlin. Thanks. Um, Two, two questions. One, could you share just a little bit more about what you mean when you require right of way? I just wanna make sure I'm understanding that correctly. And you were talking about maybe it's parking, maybe it's trees, is some of this um, like requiring right of way with um, like private homeowners or landowners. Can you just define that a little bit more um, for some of us newer folks? Um, and then I was also curious, the second point was when we're talking about active transportation and often we're talking about bike lanes, have we considered not looking at bike lanes specifically, but considering these as a multimodal um, space? There was recently some discussion um, about the bike lanes around Green Lake and cyclists were upset that pedestrians were using the bike lanes. And I think sometimes we see in, in various cities, I've seen this in Providence, Rhode Island a lot, where cyclists, people on scooters, people pushing a stroller, people walking, we are all kind of competing for space and if it is designated as a bike lane, then bikers feel the ownership of that and, and we're excluding other transportation users. So curious as we're talking about bike facility projects, if there's any consideration to consider these as multimodal, non, I don't know, I don't know if we say non-motorized because that would exclude e-bikes, but ways to be more inclusive in what we're calling bike facility projects where what is traditionally a bike lane may be used with a scooter, may be used with a pedestrian, um, but not a vehicle. Sure. Um, first, I'll, I'll answer your first question about additional right-of-way. Um, yes, that would be um, essentially widening um, the current space that we have um, and um, procuring um, what would now be considered private property. Um, so an example is on our um, 108th Street. Um, we're adding the transit queue jumps in the northbound lane. That per that is a additional um, kind of widening of that roadway, and that will impact the the pro the properties there. Um, we have an agreement with the Northwest University um, to, uh, and then there are some public properties such as a fire station um, along that corridor. But there are some houses. <clears throat> There and that's the negotiation with those property owners. Um, in other in other cases, we may choose to wait until 
um, development occurs and we would require that we could require the preservation of that additional space. And we're not saying that one property would have to build like a one segment of a bike lane. Um, but over time, as development occurs on along a particular corridor, um, if we kind of save enough right of way for a future project um, through development, that's another way that we can um, be able to get like the right of way that we need um, to be able to protect that space. And then, um, yes, uh, and Victoria, feel free to chime in that um, in terms of the, you know, the share, we have been talking about, um, you know, shared spaces for um, pedestrians and um, bicyclists, um, a number of them, there's the, um, some of the, like the, um, the gateway project that leads into the Totem Lake Village is an 11 foot wide pathway. Um, there are, um, and then also, um, in South Rose Hill near the 80th um, pedestrian bridge. Um, there's a kind of a shared use pedestrian and bicyclist pathway. Um, and we've even talked internally about what do we call them? How do we label them? That type of thing. Anyway, Victoria, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I just say it's certainly something we consider. It's a tool in the toolbox. It's all gonna depend on the context. Like one example is in the village at Totem Lake, that wide sidewalk is actually a bike lane and a sidewalk, but it's really just used as a sidewalk. And we've heard from the bike community, it doesn't work for them at all to use it. So in that case, we would want better delineation of the spaces. But then just south of there on the east side of Totem Lake Boulevard, as you approach the bridge, there's not like kind of the stores and active retail, it's just a street and it functions as a through put for people walking and biking quite well. And we haven't received any complaints about that one. So I think it's going to depend on what corridor and the context uh, is a shared path more appropriate? Is the separated bike lane more appropriate? You know, is there a hill? Is there considerations of speeds? Um, it's also something we would think about, I think, at that next level of design beyond just the line on the map kind of where we are right now. Thank you. Yeah, I would just encourage as we think about all these projects broadly, um, in the spirit of some of the tenants we've outlined as, as priorities, that that would just be, I think we're, we're very used to just thinking of this as bike facility and, and otherwise, and just, I think in the spirit of inclusivity as, as much as that can be considered in, in all of these projects, um, the better, as, as we've seen kind of people fighting and, and we're, we're all fighting for space on the road, but, um, less fighting. <laughs> I was just going to ask Victoria that feedback. Do we capture that so when we do new multi-purpose paths, we can make sure that it's a designed in a way that bicyclists, bicycle users, um, other wheeled users want to use it, or that it works for them? So that example I gave you, we actually have listed it now as a project in the project list to better define the bike lanes. Um, there's a couple new emerging guidelines in terms of users per hour, kind of volumes of pedestrians or cyclists, you might consider separating out the users. Um, but you know, you look at the Cross Kirkland corridor, it functions very well as a shared space. So um, yeah, I think it's, we're definitely recording and you know, anytime someone sends us a suggested project, it, it gets filtered through everything and um, comes down the Plinko board into our, our list here. We do sometimes um, conduct um, counts to pedestrian and bicycle counts. But, um, 
I'd like to add one thing to the discussion about right of way. So um, the reason why it's important to what we do is because it adds significant costs to projects. As you can imagine, uh, we're acquiring private property and um, it's very expensive. Uh, we can get into it later on, but um, we will be getting cost estimates on most of the projects uh, that we're um, looking at. And um, one of the significant caveats to that is that we are not including right-of-way costs in those in those cost estimates. And that's pretty standard for a planning document of this sort that we just, in a lot of areas, don't know enough about the scope and, and what the design would look like to know with any certainty what right-of-way costs would be. Um, but it is something to always keep an eye on because it, it, it really does add... Um, it impacts the feasibility of projects essentially. So just wanted to add that. You made, you made one comment about if there's a development that you may just have them reserve right of way, which is great. But I guess, how do you decide when there's enough impact to require them to build it? I, I have noticed um, other jurisdictions that um, are adjacent to Kirkland do have developers build a segment, even if there is no, adjoining facility and the thought is over 10, 15 years, you may get that segment. So I, I wonder for the cost of these facilities per linear foot, it makes sense to have developers install it, even if it is just a standalone piece to help. Yeah, but. and that, it does depend on the size of the development and the context of the development. So um, for instance, in our residential neighborhoods, um, we do require, you know, any new house to put that sidewalk in front of, um, in front of our house. And we do have these kind of piecemeal sidewalks and eventually over time we get those connected. Um, but in terms of a bike lane, um, for instance, um, you know, one example is working with a developer, um, that is kind of just, um, at the North end of the village in Totem Lake, um, to put in bicycle improvements there. Um, and there's sometimes there's some negotiation about, you know, um, you know, what can, you know, what does the city want and, um, what can we, um, you know, glean out of, out of these larger development projects and where they are. So it's kind of, you know, those larger developments, there's, a, there's more opportunities than that than say a couple, like a house or a, that kind of thing. So. And that, that happens in the development review process, our engineers review against our standards and require dedication of right away. And Okay, I'm gonna move on. Um, but we do have a couple, you know, highlights. Um, the the Lake Washington Boulevard Promenade, um, another one where um this is one where um instead of additional right-of-way, it would really be parking that would be impacted. Um, Lakeshore Plaza bike connection through um between market um and central and then connecting through to Lake um Lake Washington Boulevard, um, that would also have more parking implications than right-of-way, maybe working with parks. Um, yeah, so our full greenways network is a really great opportunity for us to put in um, a low-cost, um, low-stress um, bike connections through the city um, that don't require right-of-way. Um, sometimes those can be a challenge based on slope. Um, and crossing arterials, and um, that's just something that we um, look at alignment. And then, so anything that, you know, we've talked about projects quite a bit. I want to keep an eye on the time. Um, should we move on to project prioritization? Um, so um, the purpose of prioritization is to, you know, really identify which projects that best implement our goals. So we have measures that are related to each goal. 
Um, it helps the you know city use the best of that limited funding. Um, we are looking at um, using um, measures that are easy to replicate, um, that are easy to understand and where we have available data now that we can use. Um, so we've been looking at our, as I mentioned, our universe of projects, um, and we'll be identifying our, our 20 year project list. Um, as I mentioned before, um, remaining projects um, that are unfunded could still be brought forward in the future if, if funding condi conditions change. I think I covered most of this already. Um, so council did um, provide their comments at the November um, 21st study session on the prioritization framework. Um, we had to um, we have to move forward with this now um, in order to to meet our deadline um, to get these um, projects prioritized and um, bring that to council. Some highlights um, since the last time that you saw the prioritization framework at the joint meeting with the planning commission. Um, one point of conversation was between the commercial and neighborhood centers whether those should be flipped. We kind of had this hierarchy of um, uh, major growth centers, getting a high score, that would be our, our regional growth centers, Totem Lake and downtown and 85th station area. And then commercial centers, medium and neighborhood centers low. Um, there was a lot of discussion and I um, didn't feel like we, um, there is, there are a lot of back and forth and um, there was support for bringing up um, the score for neighborhood centers, but um, completely flipping them. And so we made them the same score. Instead of flipping, kind of pitting um, commercial centers against neighborhood centers, um, we just brought up the score for the neighborhood centers to be equal with the commercial centers, which essentially brings a higher score to the their local neighborhood centers. Um, safety will get the highest score. Um, it had previously um, just the way it shook out hadn't um, had the highest score. And that was just because some of the other categories had kind of some bonus points in certain categories. So, um, and then another one related to the safety piece, we had um, kind of the highest score being um, um, projects that are on a high injury corridor where there's a history of serious injuries and fatalities or bike bed collisions. Um, the second one is being high rate of injury for kind of other in other areas, um, not necessarily related to serious injuries or fatalities. And then just additional countermeasures. Um, and we heard this from council too, that um, we don't wanna wait for, um, uh, you know, an injury to occur um, or uh, for bit of fatality um, to add these additional countermeasures. So that was added as kind of more bonus points instead of, um, as, as opposed to being kind of the, in the like the lowest score category. Um, and then also um, we hadn't included future transit service um, at this point, and that is also something council mentioned. So those are just some highlights to the prioritization framework that were changed based on the council, the council discussion. Um, you will notice in your packet um, all of the comments that we've received from council and how all of their comments were applied, either both in the policies, goals, or in the prioritization framework. And that's a, a resource for you. Eighth. Um, I have a, I don't know, maybe it's two or three questions all around the same topic, I think. Um, is the will the TSP be kind of explicitly stating what the mode share goals are? Um, so that's sort of 
first part of the question, then I have a follow-up to that question, depending on your response. We will have a requirement to look at um, what's called a, a VMT goal, which is, in my opinion, is kind of the same as a mode share goal. Um, we're still sorting out how we plan to apply that, um, but there is a um, there is a requirement for us to look at that. Okay, so and and I see in the scoring, there's um, your consideration of how projects contribute to VMT. Um, so I guess that that's sort of along the same lines. I, I do like the idea of being able to see the mode share breakout um, because VMT is just like it puts you know vehicular traffic in one and everything else in another bucket, and it would be nice to see it more granular for you know, trips by walking, biking, public transit, et cetera, other multimodal modes. Sure. Um, Faith, um, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. So for those yeah. of you that are new, VMT is vehicle miles traveled. And so that would be a um, vehicle a reduction in vehicle miles traveled, um, which is often the same. You know, we also talk about it in terms of reducing single occupancy vehicle trips. Um, mode share is, um, you know, mode is pedestrian, bicyclist, transit, car. And so that kind of mode shift, um, shifting people away from single occupancy vehicle SOV <laughs> to um, other trips. So just wanted to clarify what those all those acronyms are. And they they can often be interchangeable. So Faith, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, Kim. I appreciate that. Um, and so, yeah, just, you know, if we do are able to think about... Um, Kind of the more granular look at the different modes and um, you know having the scoring be a little bit more based on you know how do projects contribute to those goals um and then the other thing sort of along those lines is um uh, estimating the ghg emissions greenhouse gas emissions associated with each project and um, how it's, um, you know, how much it contributes or, you know, comparatively removes emissions as part of scoring considerations. Sure. And that one is, is a little bit more challenging. Um, for instance, um, I've been having quite a few conversations with our, um, our planner, David Barnes, who um, works on our sustainability master excuse me, a sustainability strategic plan. And, um, you know, so for instance, um, we do, we model our transportation projects, um, but that doesn't capture um, how many of those are, um, how many of those vehicles are electric vehicles. Um, and so we'll be kind of having some conversations over the next couple of months about kind of what that looks like. Um, in terms of GHG reductions versus kind of VMT reductions, um, but it is something that we have been talking about quite a bit. Um, so it's a it's a really good point, Faith. Um, Kim, can you just clarify? I think you know we're talking about you know tweaking stuff. I think the ship has sailed, right? In terms of, unfortunately, we've kind of missed. Uh, I'm not sure if everybody on, on the commission recognizes that. In terms of prioritization, um, yes, we had to, um, by the time that we um, um, 
at the, at the November study session, um, we did talk with the council about the prioritization framework. And um, at this point, um, we are not opening up the, the prioritization framework back to the commission because then we'd have to bring it back to council and that would delay our timeline. Um, but it is an, important to note that the prioritization is a tool. Um, it's not the decision maker. And so it will help us, um, you know, uh, talk with council about um, kind of priorities and groups of projects. Um, I do, um, um, you know, there have been conversations with the Transportation Commission that was communicated with council, um, both on the land use piece, but also some, you know, what other comments and what I've heard in the past. Um, but yes, the, the ship has sailed for um, commission um, providing feedback on these particular measures, um, but we will come back um, to talk with you about things like how we monitor the plan over time and that type of thing. I know Caitlin's had her hand up for a while, but I just want to add, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. I think it was Patrick or, or made that point. In the future, can we like make sure that the Transportation Commission has the opportunity to provide comment on project prioritization? <laughs> like, why are we just not hearing this? Anyway. Yeah, Faith, I'll, I'll I'll back up on that because I, I think I had asked a question at a previous commission meeting asking when we were going to have the opportunity. So I actually thought that that's what this was now. So that was the feedback I was about to provide. So Patrick, I appreciate you letting us know. Um, and Faith, I, I just I second what you were saying. Um, that was kind of my preparation for this meeting was to provide feedback on that. So I'll just say my brief piece, even if it can't be incorporated. I appreciate that safety was re-upped as the highest priority, but wanted to reiterate what it sounds like council also shared was that crash data is maybe not our best quantitative piece of data to be informing safety. And so I was gonna ask a question about um, how we're collecting reported near misses. What's the mechanism to share that? Um, because I wanna make sure that near misses are equitably captured. And it seems like if we're using a rather quantitative data source, we may be missing a lot of important safety data here and if this is the highest scoring possible um, piece on a project prioritization that just gives me a little bit of pause about what data we're using to inform that with so many points weighted to this. But the ship has sailed, so I'll I end there. I can address near misses. Um, there are a number of places where we hear from the community um, where we have a number of near misses. Um, I could name a couple of them off the top of my head at this even today. Um, and we will be going through the, the project list with our engineering team um, on, on, on a number of these measures because some of them are um, qualitative. Um, however, um, other ways that we def that how we can identify near misses um, requires additional data. So, um, one thing that we are looking at, um, and we are we're successful in receiving a, a federal grant um, for um, that will um, help us uh, look at do a near miss analysis, and we have a a second um, federal grant um, to um, expand that program. Um, where we can look at, use um, kind of our um, uh, sp specific camera data to look at near misses at particular intersections to really look at that in an analytical way. And so um, there, there are kind of a number of ways um, to, to look at that. Um, and then we have been, like I said, um, pursuing and have so far been somewhat successful in receiving funding um, to be able to look at near misses, so. Kim, just to follow up, um, 
when is the next opportunity for us to um, revisit the, you know, because to me, it's the fun part is like, oh, the weighing, the weighing, see how things work out. When would that next window uh, occur? The the next opportunity is really, um, and, and actually um, it's kind of one of the conversations I wanted to have with you all is, um, you know, one thing that we are going to be looking at is, um, you know, how do we, how do we package projects based on priorities for council? So, um, uh, you know, we don't want council to, um, get in this or, in, or even the commission to start looking at, um, um, kind of doing, uh, you know, kind of splitting hairs over, you know, one particular project or, you know, this scope, or it goes from here to here, and maybe it's a little longer. We want to talk about what our priorities are. What do we really want to see, um, you know, the prioritization framework is meant to be pretty simple. Um, we need to look at existing data. Um, but then once we have, once we can, you know, better see which projects connect to transit, which ones provide safety features, which ones have are on corridors where we had a history of crash data, which ones provide countermeasures so we can prevent crashes in the future. But then, you know, what are, how do we start to kind of put together various scenarios so that we can talk with council about priorities? And so, so you mentioned the, the, um, the, the prioritization is not the decision maker. There are, and so that's kind of what I want to talk with you about today, or what are, what are other considerations? And we'll ask council that same thing. Um, and maybe this is something that we can kind of open that up now is, you know, what are some considerations of kind of packages of projects or priorities that you would want us to recommend to council to kind of, you know, um, think about. One thing to add to that is, um, so as we go out to the community with a, a web map with the projects, um, we will want the commission to be looking at that as well. Um, and so uh, that's going to happen, sorry, really uh, shortly here. Hopefully um, early next week, uh, we'll be able to, put to push this out to the community and start getting feedback and having people literally dig into the projects. And so in your capacity as residents and, and commissioners, I think engaging in that is, is a good way to do it too. We are going to council on the 19th of March, the same day as the uh, joint meeting to give them their first look at um, this similar presentation, but pro uh, projects as well. And so that's a big milestone in the process. And, um, and so we'll be uh, we're moving really fast. First of all, we have deadlines that we have to meet and there's been a compressed compressing that's happened with our time frame. So we are moving fast and I know that that may not feel comfortable at times. Um, but we are trying to, uh, get to the point where we have, uh, really solid, a really solid project list. And, uh, to Kim's point, the prioritization is a really important tool and it's a first step in getting that built. And then it will go through council review, commission review, all of that. And, um, there's the political side of things that will get infused into it. You know, there's going to be pet projects that that council members want to see. And, and that's, we expect that we, we need that to happen because we need them to buy into the list as well. So there's going to be um, a shuffling that happens after the prioritization too. Um, and so uh, that's, that's all part of this process. And um, it's going to end up in a really solid list of projects and a lot of um, really hard work will be kind of validated, I think at that point. So. Um, just, kind of to round back to Patrick's question, the next window for input, like when those lists will be together after they're prioritized, when will that be coming back to the commission? 
Yeah, um, we are uh, kind of in the thick of that. I don't know if we have a good answer for specific dates at this point in time. We do plan to come back in, Feb in the February meeting, which is the 28th, I believe. Um, and so uh, I think Kim and I need to kind of put our heads together on that. I don't, I don't know if we want to commit to anything at this point in time, just because there is so much that needs to happen. And the next be very tight to get all of the projects um, prioritized, but we do hope to have them done by the end of February. Um, and so um, we should be able to bring um, a lot of that. I would, I hope I don't want to commit, <laughs> um, but um, to, to bring that information back to you um, by the, uh, by the next transportation commission meeting, um, we are in a kind of a fast pace to um, kind of, you know, get information about the projects again, you know, which ones have a safety benefit, which ones are, have these transit benefits. And then we can take a look at those and see how they start to shake out. Um, and so it'll be, it'll be pretty tight um, by the next transportation commission meeting. Um, but that's cross my fingers. That's our goal. And a little bit more context is there's a, there's several parallel processes happening right now, including environmental review. So We have a supplemental EIS that's being developed um, in addition to goals and policies, finalizing all that and all the work um, cost estimating. All that. So there's, there's um, that's what we mean when we say there's a crunch happening. And so, um, and we have to get this all done mid part of the year. So uh, it, it's um, a lot of roads merging at the same time. Um, so we're trying to get everything out and, and as quickly as we can. Yeah, and very much understand that. I think it's more our purposes of commission is to be able to advise. And one thing council may ask in March is, has this gone to the commission? Do they have any input? And if we don't have it coming before us, then we aren't able to provide that function. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Kimberly, you know, said you, maybe we could start to talk about prioritizations. And the first thought that, came into my head was, well, what are the goals and what are the outcomes that we want? And when I look through the prioritization plan, there's, it's, it's kind of a lot of soft language and um, relative language, you know, it increases or it reduces, but compared to what, and what are we trying to get to? And, you know, I'm a little bit concerned when we're, you know, you're, going through prioritization and not able to have that kind of comparison of how does this project get us closer to our goal, our end goal, not just, you know, incrementally better than what it was before. Yeah. And I, I think, Faith, what, sorry, Commissioner Tibble, um, what you're asking is, um, and I, forgive me if I'm, um, or correct me if I'm paraphrasing you incorrectly, but, um, um, it is how effective are projects? Are we actually seeing more people walking or bicycling? How is that kind of what you're asking? Is that, you know, are we actually seeing more transit ridership? Like you're, cause what I, what I'm hearing is you're asking about the impact. Yeah. Impact. But again, like they're, you know, using, are we seeing more that's still relative to some previous condition? And I'm interested in understanding how how much closer a project gets us to the goal, the desired outcome. And I don't see that we have real strong language around what are the goals, what are the desired outcomes. Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, just piggybacking on that faith, you know, okay, I totally understand. There's a time crunch, there's a bunch of things coming together. 
Um, but maybe this is an opportunity for us to think about the, for the next cycle. That long term, instead of saying it's a ten, it's a forty, it's a twenty, that it is going back to some more sub, some more uh, quantitative uh, uh, foundation for how the score have been provided. Because you know, I, I, I took a look at that, and it's like to to face this point, and I think to all of us when we were looking at it, it seems, it seems like these are really kind of like okay, it's it's ten, five, oh, because I really want this one up or something like that. You know, it comes across and. And going back to if we are truly thinking about if we're picking project based on the outcomes, then there's got to be more basis for that quantification and scoring. And so maybe not this time around, maybe that ship has sailed, but can we start looking strategically at the long-term decision-making process in order to get more to that quantitative base? I do want to remind everyone, though, is that when we talk about our prioritization process, um, one of the things that we were very clear about is that um, we need to use ready, readily available data. And we don't necessarily have always data that says if we build this bike lane here, there will be more people bicycling. Um, we have been doing, making progress on that. Um, we have um, a service package where um, we've, uh, we're purchasing more uh, multimodal um, counters. Um, as I mentioned, we've received and, and are pursuing other grants so that we can continue to um, uh, to achieve what you're asking us to do, which is to to acquire that additional data so that we can better answer those questions. Another one is um, to Councilmember DeBolt's question about kind of um, you know, are we successful? Sometimes that takes us to do before counts, and then we. Um, you know, what, what does the condition look like before a project happens? And what is a, what does the condition look like after a project happens? And so one of the programs that I mentioned as we were talking about programs earlier on in this conversation was a greenway monitoring program. What that does is that we're, as we build greenways, we're, we're, um, we're counting a project before we build the greenway and then we do that analysis to see how effective is it? Are we seeing more people walking and bicycling on that greenway? But I just want to make sure that everybody understands we have to use readily available data. And so, and just to be very honest, a lot of this prioritization will come down to project types and the descriptions. Is it a bike lane? Is Does that bike lane have protection to it? Does that, um, is that crossing, does it include an RFB or a Hawk signal? Um, it will come down to project types. And I know that you want more kind of um, that quantitative data, and we can talk about that with our performance measures. Um, and we can talk about that when we come when we talk about our programs. But I just want to be very clear that we have to use a data that we currently have. No, no, I think that's absolutely. I think we've talked about this before yeah. multiple times, and I think you know we've, we're all data hogs here. Um, so I think we're speaking to, to the choir, um, but. In respect to the process so far, um, looking forward, I think it is an opportunity for us to start maybe add a column saying this is not quantifiable and this is not, maybe that's a gap that this commission can recommend. Hey, maybe that is something that we want to invest time, mm -hmm. effort, staff time to move towards that. Saying that we can't, saying that we can't quantify it. Well, though maybe then we should make a plan, like we always are good, diligent in doing, yeah. make a plan for actually understanding what that, that those gaps are. Yeah. On that front. So sure. 
But maybe just because we build a bike lane doesn't mean we will see increased ridership. You know, I think if I paraphrase some of the data from Portland, it took many years of building a network before they saw that that large increase and in shift to some of those modes. So it may we may need to see it as an investment and we may pay, you know, it may not pay dividends until that network is built out. So I guess I would temper some amount of you may not see ridership on that segment. Neighborhood Greenways is kind of a good example of exactly what you're saying, building out the network to make a really, really um, connected system. Faith? I just one more thing, and I, I like what I've been hearing everybody saying, but it, it may be more to Patrick's point of looking at what we're missing um, and and taking advantage of what we have. Um, and so things like level of traffic stress, I've seen the city um, do this type of analysis and I know that information is is there, right? So, you know, it is how does this project, um, what is the level of traffic stress for, you know, this um, active transportation project and how does that factor in? So I think there are, um, yeah, uh, quantifiable considerations, metrics to, um, to consider um, that we currently have access to um, that should be getting considered. You know, level of traffic stress, like aim for all two or better, two, you know, one or twos, as, you know, being explicit about that is, is it, that's an example of what I'm talking about. And that is kind of roughly folded in. Um, the level of traffic stress was used in the prioritization for our bike network and the active transportation plan. And those that score high in that get a score high in this prioritization process. And so um, probably probably not enough weight for your satisfaction, but I um, it is it is included, um, although a little bit more peripherally. Um, one kind of sense that I'm feeling is that we're We've been talking about it for a number of months now, a number of meetings, very high level. What are the goals? What are the policies? And I think what might be helpful for the commission and maybe for council as things advance is what is the vision? Like we don't have, we're not looking at the full maps of thinking of the last transportation master plan. You have the recommended bike network map. It's really clear where, where our gaps are, what the recommended like network looks like. And I know to Faith's point about level of traffic stress, being able to overlay that, and with the TSP here, kind of taking into account all of the plans that have been developed to date, are there any updates to those? Because this becomes that master document where I expect we will have those maps incorporated directly in the TSP. And I'm not sure when that's coming to us, if some of these projects feed into that vision. It's... Um, I think that's the piece we're missing. I think that might, uh, if I can take a stab at that, I think it, um, that might be clearer when we get a draft document to the commission. I, I do think that it all comes together. Um, one of the things that I've always told um, commissioners and, and council members when it makes sense is that, um, at, again, at times it feels uncomfortable that we're kind of doing this kind of leap, leaping thing. And uh, one of the things that is important for appointed and elected officials is understanding that sometimes we have to make decisions with either information we're not comfortable with or, uh, you know, it's the hard decision making kind of thing. And I think that we're kind of experiencing that um, right now. And 
Um, I do think, uh, you know, we're going to get some momentum going, especially as we get community engagement. And I think it'll become clearer as we get, get moving on this and get documents to share and show what we're talking about, because it's been a lot of talking and words on slides. And so it is hard to, to see how it all comes together. So I totally get that. Um, and, and we are working on that, um, as, as we're doing all of this. So, um, hopefully that becomes, um, we kind of hit the mark on that and, and show the progress. Um, but yeah, it does, it, it will feel uncomfortable at times. Um, so for what it's worth, I did want to also, um, add to commissioner, uh, Vice Chair Vu's uh, comments about um, kind of the subjective nature. You were kind of getting at like, well, you kind of put, you know, put your thumb to the air and kind of assign a score. I will say just to clarify that, um, you know, we have really great expertise on staff. And in addition to that, we have great expertise on our consultant team with parametrics. And so um, I can assure you it's not that <laughs> it is much more, uh, there is much more expertise being applied to descoring. So um, just want to make sure that's clarified that uh, when we do assign the scores in the prioritization, it is done with a lot of thought and a lot of um, uh, technical um, uh, kind of lens to it. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to insinuate that. <laughs> it's, it's not. Um, well, I, I do want to just, it's just transparency. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Process, you know, we, we entrust ourselves to, to processes and transparencies and, um, you know, we can do better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a question, um, Chair McGee. Um, you know, you talk about a vision. Um, what I've heard from the commission, from council and from our community over the time that we've done public engagement is, um, you know, how do we how do we bring more transit to Kirkland? How do we connect to transit? How do we better protect people that are out walking and bicycling. Those are the, those are the big theme, like themes and the, you know, the visions that I've heard from the community. And if that's not coming through, you know, how could that, how do we make that, you know, come through a little bit? Like what more would you like to see? Cause um, we've been, we've been trying to kind of, you know, prioritize those things and, and to, you know, get but those are the visions. That's the vision that I've heard um, yeah, I think that's a, a, it's a tough question to answer. Um, and that's, I'm kind of, as I'm looking at some of these, I'm trying to put on my hat of, I'm, you know, a regular resident. And if yeah. I see some of this information, will I understand what it means? And kind of flipping through the, the, the previous master plan, um, you can get that through a lot of the maps. And I think that kind of, it helps link things together. Okay. Um, we might be getting there with what's about to go out to the public. Uh, I, you know, you kind of showed that one little snippet. Um, I, I think that's kind of the question because when anyone in the public is going to look at, Hey, I want to bike somewhere, you know, from point A to point B, how will I get there today versus in 20 years? What is the city's vision to make this better? It's that picture. That's what really does it. Okay. Thank you. I think, you know, we have the the analysis and the process and kind of the the textual vision there. It's just kind of that how we sell it um, and make sure everyone understands it and kind of can see it. And I can chime in, um, Commissioner McGee, on that. A lot of these projects are coming directly out of the active transportation plan. So it's probably the best map to start with. And then as Kim said, where we had overlaps from other plans, the Safe Ross to School plan, the transit implementation plan, 
then there might have been a few tweaks here and there. Um, but the vision, I think we can still refer to the active transportation plan. But I think that's a great point once we have a map that's a little bit easier for folks to understand. Okay. Yeah, I'm also trying to think of a few earlier topics we've had, um, such as roundabouts and protected intersections being the first lens of intersection design for some of the projects. And, you know, when we think about people traveling through the city and our transportation network from point A to point B, what sort of experience will they have? And um, some of these projects might kind of talk about things in specific points, but it's, again, it's back to that network of what does it look like? Would I do this taking my eight-year-old on a bike? Because um, that line may mean different things on the map. Um, and just kind of having that level of definition there, um, whether it's level of traffic stress and kind of explains what what those facility types might be, um, it is really kind of getting us to the finish line. And Kim, Caitlin had a question in the chat. Are we using Strava Metro data? I just added that in response to wondering if, if we were, you know, if, if data is a missing piece for some of these, um, from my understanding, that is freely available data. Obviously, it may not be perfectly representative, but it sounds like they've made efforts to make that more representative data. Okay. And if it's available and helpful and we need some data um, and an affordable way to gather data, it seems like that may be an option for the future. Um, we, as we mentioned earlier, we'll be doing cost estimation. Um, we'll be looking at forecasting our um, predicted revenue. Um, we are going to be launching the project web map for public engagement. Um, we've we worked really hard to find a tool that will hopefully be understandable. Um, as you can see from this, um, this kind of screenshot map, um, there are a lot of projects and so hopefully, and it could be overwhelming. Um, and so hopefully um, we'll, you know, we've, um, we'll have people being able to turn on and off different layers by project types so that you can kind of see where the sidewalk gaps are, where the intersection projects are. Um, and then um, um, we will be, um, um, we're, you know, communicating that we're not, this is not the decision making, we're just starting this process in terms of getting feedback from the public. Um, and so prioritization is, is just the, it's not the decision maker, it's a tool. Um, and so we'll be going to council in March. Um, and then um, we are looking at um, putting together our um, kind of our, uh, the transportation element materials uh, that will be draft. Um, and so what goes in the transportation element to the comprehensive plan are the goals and policies, the project list, um, and the, the um, those are essentially the, the key components and that feeds into our um, uh, supplemental environmental impact statement. Um, and then we'll be working um, so pretty fast and furious to get our draft plan um, together. And so there will be a lot more to talk about with this group um, in the coming months. So um, you'll probably see me every single month. Can I add um, prior to opening it up is, um... It's really important to consider that we, and this is common 
to every city, every jurisdiction. Um, we're identifying hundreds of millions of dollars worth of need in the system. And the revenues are obviously nowhere near matching that. Um, that is something that, um, you know, this is a visionary document. By building the universe of projects, we are um, essentially showing that over time, we're going to make progress on, on this gigantic uh, improvement to the system. And um, it it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be quick. This is, again, visionary. We're talking 20-year timeframes, um, but we are doing a ton of good work that will serve us really well in the future because the way that this works moving forward is we have the 20-year list and every six-year TIP, the Transportation Improvement Plan, will be fed with this 20-year list. And then from there, the two-year budget is created. And so this work we're doing right now is a really heavy lift, but it has years worth of benefit down the road for us because we'll be able to much more easily be transparent with the community. This is what we're, uh, we're this is what we're striving for. Um, and so it, it, to Kim's point, it's it's a humongous list, and it will seem overwhelming, um, but we need to do that, and that's it, that's part of the process. Our, our revenue forecasting that Kim put on the slide a couple slides ago um, is really going to tell us what we have to play with over the 20-year window, and then the prioritization and, and the conversations with the community and the conversations with the commission and council will help us refine which projects are shown as funded. It's going to be a very small portion of the larger list. Um, but that's a necessary part of this process. Um, so just wanted to make that point before we open it up further. What percentage of your TIP projects are covered by grants? What, you know, I, Great question. not to put you on the spot, but I guess I'm wondering, you said the 20-year is based upon actual funding. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm just kind of curious how much, you know, usually grants are a significant portion. So I'm just kind of wondering... How that would work um that's a great question. does it just kind of does it just accelerate projects through the 20-year plan faster per se with as you get these grants or yeah and actually the thing that we're trying to do with grants I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because it's a conversation we've been having internally quite a bit lately about uh the work done to prioritize our projects is incredibly beneficial to how we apply for grants because uh when you don't have a coordinated grant program and you just go after whatever you end up elevating really low priority projects and you're committed to building them now and so this will help us uh, identify the projects that then apply for grant funding and the the project drives the grant application not the other way around like oh this grant would be great to get let's find a project to fit that that's that's the complete backwards way of looking at it so this will help us streamline everything and in theory deliver more projects because yes grants will be a big chunk of this one of the great things and kim kim brings us up a lot is that kirkland now has two regional centers totem lake and downtown and that's in the station area um so that's humongous uh, in terms of uh, being eligible for grants. You suddenly open up a lot more opportunities. You become more competitive. And so this is kind of part of a really big package of how we're going to improve our delivery of projects. Um, uh, with that being said, though, projects are getting more expensive. We are, we are anticipating uh, increased stormwater costs in the future based on new requirements for uh, the NPDES program, which is a permit under the Clean Water Act. Um, and so... Uh, there's a lot of things going on, but um, this really helps us be more targeted, more diligent, more transparent um, with project delivery. So uh, anyway, thank you for bringing up the grants. Yeah. In terms of the kind of overall percentage, it's hard to tell because um, we tend to um, apply for grants for larger, more expensive projects. 
Um, so it's, you know, not necessarily percentage in terms of number, but percentage, you know, some of our bigger, heftier projects, because um, those are the ones that are harder for us to fund locally, um, that are more kind of, if you will, worth it in terms of um, committing to like federal requirements. There are a lot of federal grants, um, but federal money is not free. Um, it costs a lot of money to, you know, um, both implement them in the timeframes and all of the requirements that go along with that. And so, um, but it's, you know, generally like the bigger, bigger ones. Programs um, that, you know, sidewalks, um, we tend to be a little bit less competitive with those sometimes with the better with our two regional centers um, that makes us pretty competitive for those big ones. One kind of side question on projects included, uh, Cross Kirkland Corridor is technically meant for transit at some point. Are there any projects in the prioritization list for that? That will be identified through the study. Okay. Yes. The study so. that will hopefully be completed on the earlier stage of the 20-year plan. Yeah. And so that's an example of kind of what Doug was mentioning about, you know, we kind of look at our, at our six-year list and every year we have like two-year budget and, you know, maybe some, we fund things through federal programs or federal grants. And then maybe there's, there's more room to kind of move more projects into the list. And um, yeah, so that'll be the opportunity as we start to kind of churn our budgets and the six-year list. Um, once we identify what's next for the cross Kirkland corridor, and that could be, um, you know, and out of that, there could be some, you know, smaller connections that we just put into a program and we start to kind of increment those over time. But then there's the bigger picture of the entire corridor and that'll be, that'll be a bigger conversation. Be any chance to, to have input on maybe, maybe this has already been said, but on, on those studies in that 20 year plan, is there any chance for input on, on the prior prioritization? It sounds like we like prioritization here. So <laughs> uh, I'm just curious, you know, I, I feel like I agreed with, with chair McGee that, that it seems like this untapped resource and it would be really interesting in the benefit of the residents to um, have a study like that done quicker than, you know, in that 20 years. So. Yes. Um, when we have these studies, we will definitely come back to the Transportation Commission and give you ample opportunity to provide your feedback on those. You know, Kim, I feel like we need to give you a vacation. You've put in so much work and we're already signing you up for more studies like tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Faith? I'll take a vacation after this plan is adopted. Um, I, I, maybe I, I can't let the vision stuff go, but just kind of reacting a little bit to, I think it was on the previous slide and, and it has been said this evening that, yeah, prior, prioritization is not the decision maker, but the tool. Um, and I get that. Um, however, if a project is ranked very highly according to the prioritization what was considered in the prioritization plan, um, it's going to be really hard to convince anyone to go against that, right? And other projects that otherwise maybe should have um, had a higher priority, but 
they just weren't considered that way, don't get, you know, that consideration. So it's like, yeah, there is some comfort in that. But at the same time, you know, I just sort of back up and go, yeah, but that's hard. Um, and sort of to the larger visions, I was um, thinking about uh, just sort of, you know, we're talking about a 20 year plan, a vision for what Kirkland, how people will get around Kirkland 20 years from now. And I was thinking about, you know, 20 years ago, how were people talking about how they would be getting around in Kirkland in 2024? And before that, how were people, you know, in 1984, what, how were you know, how was the city talking about how people would get around? And, you know, back 20, 30, 40 years ago, the focus was on how to get from point A to point B the fastest. That's the highest priority, right? And there are still other communities in our region that that's still the highest priority. Um, and I just want to make sure that, you know, based on what we're hearing from the community, that the vision, the desires of of how people want to get around the community um, are in alignment for that vision that we have for 20 years from now. If the priority isn't, how do I get from point A to point B the fastest? Are we really moving in the direction of whatever the priority is? The safest, the lowest carbon, the um, you know most enjoyable, um, whatever that consideration is. <laughs> The most freedom to choose whatever mode you want. <laughs> what are those priorities and are we moving in that direction? And that's the vision I feel like we are, we're not really capturing. Is the, is the prioritization framework as you see it really that far off than what I've, what I've heard is kind of level of traffic stress. Um, and, you know, we can surely, you know, as we look at our um, particularly with some of our qualitative, when we look at some of our qualitative, um, you know, the, the, the measures are what they are, but as we look at how we are applying them, um, you know, we do have some room to, um, you know, look at, like, is that crossing on an arterial? You know, we can, there is a little bit of wiggle room in terms of how they apply. I want to make sure that you're all are comfortable. I mean, they're are we really that far off? I know I probably should have started with that question at the beginning of this. We've been talking about it for a long time. Um, so I'm sorry for taking too long, but um, I do want to make sure you all are comfortable. Um, I know it's it's difficult when we're saying like, sorry, the ship has sailed, but you know, there is it is it that far off from what you would like to see, I guess? It's it's just <laughs> that it's um to me, it's not oriented toward how does it get us to our goal? It's oriented to where we were before. And if we're trying, if there, if the community's desire in 20 years is to have a different way, you know, the goal is just different than how things were before, then why are we still comparing ourselves to before? Um, and you know, like you said, we don't always have metrics to be able to do that comparison and fold that into how we prioritize projects. But just, you know, from from my perspective, that's sort of the the core issue I have with the the way that projects are getting scored. Okay. Yeah. To be fair, I mean, yeah. So, so far, you live with it. 
you 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 you're immersed in it. And for us, is we're we're coming in once a month looking at it, and so it is hard for us to grasp it. And, and I think I kind of reflect the sentiment of you know my neighbors and so forth. Like this is kind of really complex. And to Faith's point, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard. I think I trust it. I mean, it looks like it, but to Faith's point, it, to, you know, this does repeat what we've seemed to have had before. And are we moving the iceberg enough so that when we do get to 20 years from now, or when I was an intern 20 years ago when we were doing this, are we where we were? <laughs> are we where we wanted to be uh, on that front? So it's a little, it's it is, it is hard. It is hard, but it is we're coming in kind of not knowing the ins and outs and the deliberations that came that gotten us to this point. And so we're just giving our your feedback. It is hard for us to, to say yes or no. Are we comfortable with it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at it for the, for the first time, honestly. Maybe there's a trust piece too. And we've talked about this in the past that sometimes um, as a new commissioner, we, we send these bodies of work off. And then maybe that piece, at least as a new commissioner is the circling back and, one year, two years, that that piece of accountability to go back to the council and say, you know, what transportation commission and staff recommended was successful or what were the results. So maybe there's a piece of of having to let you guys, the experts, move some of these forward and then revisit them and see what what the outcome was. Um, I will also put a plug in. I, I am a big fan of level of traffic stress. Uh, I know that there were some discussions of collision history and near misses, but, you know, I can walk on, you know, I live in the the Juanita neighborhood and, you know, I walk on 124th and is that sidewalk safe? Yes. There's probably very few accidents or near misses, but it's right next to the road, high volumes, high speeds. I don't walk on it. I won't take my child on it. So to me, level of traffic stress is a way we can use our limited resources, our limited right-of-way to serve our residents the best. It, it really hurts me as a, a transportation engineer to see sidewalks that uh, have a poor level of traffic stress that just are not used. Uh, that, that, that hurts me. So. <laughs> I, I do just want to add, I mean, in the, I think, you know, this is just a single a piece, a sub piece to what we've been working on with this comprehensive plan and TSP, right? I mean, there's other, what we're, we've been working on is, 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 is providing that guidance uh, back to policies, you know, and, and so forth. So I, I, I do understand. I mean, this is just one piece. I just want to put in context for, for the commission. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think um, it's one piece, but it relates to all the other pieces. So we started with the guiding principles. We built goals and policies off of that. And the goals and policies are categories of the prioritization. So and to Commissioner DeBolt's comment about are we achieving the goals that we want with this, I, I do think we are because it is directly tied to all of those. So we have this kind of framework that we've built that's interconnected and um and you know, it might not be perfect. I don't I don't know if perfect should ever be our goal um, as government, but because it doesn't exist. Um, but I do think that if, you, and not to get too philosophical, but you know, if you take a step back and you look at how we approached it, we started with community engagement, developed the principles, then went to goals and policies, updated them, kind of started with the previous, refashioned them, 
and then build a prioritization framework off of that. So I do think, um, and, and that's personal, but I do think that we have built a framework um, that does get at that. So, um, you know, again, not to get too philosophical, but um, yeah. Well, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? <laughs> this is yeah. the implementation of all of those policies. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and then, uh, you know, to the point we've made earlier in the meeting is, um, uh, you know, this is a, a part of the process. And then there will be political considerations added on top of that. And we have to provide space for that. And so this information will give them a really excellent starting point. The, the you know, scoring from top to bottom. Um, and, and Commissioner DeBolt, to your point about, you know, the high scoring projects should really be at the top. And they, I do think will, you know, will end up there. And we might have some additions to that that get pulled up from me, maybe medium priorities because um, council members have identified problems and they hear from the neighbors and they, you know, there might be some reason uh, to elevate a project. And that's, we, we need to allow for space for that. And, and, and I think we, our system allows that, our system will accomplish that. I think everyone's going to be more comfortable once we see the the actual like project list and then the scores and then we'll, mm -hmm. you know, the, the structure is there. It might just be like, how do we kind of the implementation of that, you know, each project kind of building that out mm -hmm. is probably the the next step. Yeah. Um, so I think we've heard from just about everyone. AJ, did, did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, not really at the moment. Yeah. Commissioner Trexel as well. Oh, and Tracy, anything from your end? I think I echo a lot of the conversation of what Faith has said tonight around the prioritization, but I appreciate the explanation about, you know, where we started and how we've gotten to where we're at. So really it'll be about, you know, seeing the project list. So I appreciate all of the discussion. I don't have anything else. Thank you. Thank you for walking us through that. It's a lot, um, definitely complex, but I think we're making really good progress and we'll be excited for more. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent input. Okay. Um, with that done, uh, the next item on our agenda, I believe are comments and updates and Doug, I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you. Um, just a couple of brief things. Uh, this is actually kind of a reiteration, but we'll have the joint meeting with council on the 19th. So please attend if you can. In person would be excellent. Um, really want to emphasize that um, if possible. Um, uh, I think that would be good for the synergy in the discussion. Um, they will probably ask us questions about how we ended up, you know, where we are. And so I can take a lot of that, but it'd be great to have, um, you know, commissioners time in. Um, yes. Um, just a quick note, if you do plan on attending but can't come in person but still want to attend virtually, there is a virtual option. Um, we do hybrid uh, council meetings and study sessions. Just let us know in advance so that our city clerk can provide you with a panelist link and you um, can can hop on and actually provide some, some input during that discussion. And that's at 530 on the 19th? Yes, uh, we're part of the study session, which begins at 530. And just to confirm, that's March 19th? March 19th. Sorry, did I misspeak earlier? I might have. I might have. <laughs> no, you just said the 19th. The night, oh, yes. And, and just to confirm, we do have a number of different items on that study session um, agenda. So 
I think we will try to to make that the first one, but sometimes it's up to the way the uh, city clerk's going to stack it. So this doesn't replace our typical March uh, meetings, right? So this is additional to our commitment. That is correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if if uh, you could maybe email me ahead of time with kind of your your thoughts on your attendance, that'd be excellent. Um, okay, second item. Uh, oh, is there a question? Can you confirm uh, what time that meeting is at? Uh, study session begins at 5.30. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and people kind of trickle in a little bit before that. So um, it'll it'll begin at 5.30. Um, so the second item, um, uh, so I, I'm new to the city, but uh, I got a notice that we do a community appreciation event for volunteers. So very excited for that. We did one when I was in Sammamish and it's a really cool event. And so I'm hoping it's kind of similar to that. Uh, my understanding is it's May 15th. Um, so I just want to put that out there on, and get that on the radar. Um, they want us to take a group picture. I, I think... Um, we should try to do that tonight with the folks that are in the room and then also try again in February. If uh, everybody can attend that, that'd be awesome. And maybe we can get more people, but if we, if we don't get more, we'll use the one from tonight. So we'll give ourselves options here, uh, but they, they're going to do a slideshow. And so they want to um, be able to talk about uh, each commission and each board. So, um, uh, so yeah, after this meeting, after we adjourn, we can just kind of line up right there by the dais. Um, and then uh, the final thing is our next meeting is on the 28th of February. Uh, that's the fourth Wednesday. Um, our topics will be uh, the existing 2015 TMP, uh, the annual progress report. So uh, our um, uh, Blair Daly is the one who manages that for the city. So he'll be able to um, attend and uh, give an overview of that. And then um, uh, eventually that will go to council too. So I, um, uh, we'll be able to have a good discussion about that. And that's kind of in the vein of reporting back, how we're doing, uh, monitoring, which I know the commission is um, really interested in. So, And then, of course, the transportation plan, strategic plan. Um, with that, I don't know if there's anything else from... Okay. Victoria, do you have anything to add? Okay. Turn it over to you. Yeah, I'll take it around the commission for any other updates to share. And I'll start with everyone joining remotely. Faith, anything from your end? I'm good, thanks. Right. Tracy? So good, thank you. Caitlin? Thank you. All right, and it's a little bit easier here in the room. Anyone in the room have anything to add? Ryan? You mentioned that council changed some of the 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 rankings for the strategic plan. Can you ever, could you send that to us just to see kind of how they rank those different names of documents? And then on the prioritization list for capital projects, is that a, a grading rubric or prioritization rubric that already exists that we could see a blank one or is that, uh, that that point ranking system is that does that exist today in terms of how we're going to apply the scores to the projects yeah yeah do you have like a blank te template we could see as well um it's in your packet in terms of the um you know what what are the measures and what the scores how they would be applied okay. thank you we will when they do get scored though show that um in future packets so yeah
Yeah, it's kind of brought up uh, the other day, but the the King County Metroflex, you know, it's blasting over, and I think it's really cool. And uh, just want to maybe get a chance to hear more about it because I think, you know, with doom and gloom, with you know, the transit services cutbacks, also we get this really innovative micro transit, well, on demand transit sort of program. I think that would, to me, that's that's, that's you know, can we promote some more, uh, encourage more of that, and so forth? Because I think it is very. Uh, it sounds like it's a pilot. Um, very uh, localized to the Winita Foothill kind of area, but uh, like like to hear more and see if we can um, get that to maybe offset some of the service losses that we're ha- we've been seeing. Yeah, that's a um, great point. Maybe we can get a um, an update going. Uh, Blair Daly, I mentioned Blair earlier. Uh, he is the one who interfaces with King County, and this is a King County program uh, with relatively little city involvement. Um, but uh, Blair does interface with Metro on. Um, on performance and all of that. We do sometimes struggle to get data from Metro. Um, so we'll have a conversation about that. And um, when we are able to get some good information information to share, we can do that. Yeah, and th- that's a great point. I mean, if, if, if it's more of a King County Metro, is there something that we can do to uh, perhaps improve, you know, expand partner on, on these expanded services, you know, private partner to partnerships kind of thing, opportunities and so forth. But now, if it's a service that does provide that mobility that we've been all seeking, right? Alternative mobility from SOVs, then um, yeah. Yeah, and I will say um, I launched this in Sammamish when I was there, and uh, it's a super popular program. It is in a pilot state, so Metro has not turned it into sustained service. Um, it is a relatively costly program for them. Um, they hire a driver, and and um, but uh, they have gone uh, kind of to the stance of. Um, no expansions. Uh, they hear a lot about this. Every community wants to expand it. Sammamish was one of those as well. Um, and what recently happened was the city of Issaquah actually uh, funded their own program and it was a uh, big deal. And um, they came with a lot of money to, to do that. And um, and it is in a pilot state, but uh, I think that's kind of the way that the program is going is that if um, kind of the cities offset those costs for, for the Metro, um, so it's something that we can definitely talk about, but it is a wildly popular program. It does serve a need. It kind of sells itself. Um, they, they, they call it their alternative transit program. It's part of that umbrella. Um, and so for those who don't know, it's a, it's an on-demand service. Um, it serves a service area, uh, between certain hours of the day. And, um, you download the app, you schedule a ride, you get, you know, you go through competition with other riders who are requesting rides at the same time. And then your ride gets filled. It's kind of like a public version of Uber, but like, you don't, it costs, you know, two seventy five, and you don't tip. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it is a great program. That is something that could come out in our transit study, um, as an opportunity, you know, like what are opportunities what are things that we could do or maybe supplement, you know, that's something that that would probably be in that kind of body of things that that study would look at. So the Metroflex program sounds pretty cool, but also I think on anything we do with that, we also need to be trying to encourage more ridership of the bus routes we do have to make sure that we don't uh, have our ridership numbers atrophy in the future and lose more of that bus service. Ridership cannibalization, I think, is what you're getting at. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. And uh, Metro, when they develop these service areas, they they do put a lot of thought into connecting to park and rides, for instance, and other nodes, so that this will get people. Uh, in some ways, it kind of fills that like last mile first mile gap um, because it will go. It used to go door to door. Now it goes to the nearest corner. Um, 
but uh, yes, that's an excellent point that it, 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 it really is meant to get you on another, essentially a bus route. Um, not always perfect, but um, they do try to capture all the community hotspots. I was going to say, it's like Uber, if Uber only ran Monday through Friday, seven to seven. <laughs> and only in Juanita. <laughs> and only in Juanita. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely not, not perfect, um, but it is a good, it fills a gap for sure. I'll add one last thing then. Um, I know earlier today there was a webinar on Interstate uh, 405 and the 132nd interchange, um, just kind of sharing some updates for the public. I was able to catch the first half of it before I had to jump to a work meeting, but um, if they don't have it up already, they should have it up within the next day or so, um, a recording. So for anyone that may be interested in kind of seeing the latest and greatest, they had some good content about kind of how people travel through a, a dual lane roundabout as well as walking and biking through. Um, and as that project gets closer to completion, that may be a helpful point of reference for a lot of people. It's nothing else. Um, thank you to all of our presenters, everyone, city staff. Um, and I'll go ahead and say that it's 7.54 p.m. and our meeting is now adjourned. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Have a